Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Good job. Good job, Cordy. Is that your first time? Way to go. That was really good. Good job. That was awesome. Didn't you enjoy that? Yeah, it really was. Good job. I, I was waiting for Pastor Shore to give me an introduction, but I, I guess that's not going to happen tonight. So uh, it's okay, Pastor Shore. I actually have loved this sermon. Oh, oh, there you are, Pastor Shore. Oh, I was surprised you made it over there that fast. But uh, uh, built earth tough. I actually love Pastor Shore. Me and him share an office together, and I really love it. And uh, we get to spend uh, much time together, and I really appreciate him and his, uh, his heart. He'll be here uh, in just a few months. He'll be here 25 years. Him and his wife will be here. Um, yeah, great job. Yeah, in June. Um, and so looking forward to that. Um, I've loved this sermon series, uh, the office or the um, built earth tough, built earth tough. The first thing that I thought of whenever I heard that sermon series or heard this title uh, was uh, my son. His name's Lincoln. And if you know Lincoln, um, he, he's been through quite a bit. And so he's only nine years old in his life and uh, he's built earth tough. Uh, one story that stuck out in my mind uh, specifically was this, was he was about, probably about four or five years ago. I think he may have, been, may have been four or five at the time. We were at a different house, and somebody had given us uh, a playhouse. It was kind of a two-story playhouse, and it had a slide that kind of wrapped around and down it, and uh, Lincoln had, uh, this is coming from third person, because it's, our kids told us about the story. We were inside, you know, as good parents, you know, uh, taking care of one another as the kids are out back, you know, playing around. So uh, they had, Lincoln had flipped up a, a cinder block, and he flipped it up on end, and he somehow managed to pick up another one and put it on top of that. And what he was going to do is he was going to climb, uh, he was going to climb that house, uh, I'm guessing, on, onto the slide and just climb up the slide. As he started to get up and he started to grab the slide, the cinder block, the two that were on end to each other, one kind of kicked out. And so he kind of grabbed on and he kind of let go because he couldn't hold on. And he smacked his head on the back of his head. He come running inside and, and he was just screaming. And we looked and, and we thought, oh no, this is not good. Blood was starting to come from his head and um, I'd been to the emergency room once before with another child, and it was not so good. Um, but uh, I thought, I definitely don't want to go again. And as I looked, there was a gash that was about an inch and a half long. And it was about a, maybe a third to a quarter of an inch deep. And I thought, oh, this isn't good. We cleaned it out as best as possible. Um, and you do whatever. I mean, if you don't know of something to do, there's only one, really one place to go, right? YouTube. And so I thought, okay, well, let's, let's get on YouTube and find out how you suture a wound. And what I did is I put some glue and I wrapped his hair and tied it with a nice stitch. And, 
And um, I thought, wow, this is wonderful. And uh, so, um, and he's good. He's been good ever since, you know, four or five falls later, you know, we, we got this down. So in fact, so what so that uh, I've glued a, a nephew's head together. I've glued um, my, uh, my, um, his grandmother's head together. You know, if you need your glue, head glued tonight, I, I mean, I'll be in my office uh, ready to help out. But as we talk about this idea of built earth tough, we've talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about as we opened this up, um, we talked about, do you remember what the first one was? Not to put anybody on the spot. The apostles, very good. We talked about the apostles. We'll be in Ephesians chapter four tonight. The apostles, uh, last week, do you remember what we talked about last week? The prophet, very good. So we talked about uh, the prophet and the apostle. Tonight we're going to be talking about specifically in regards to the evangelist. The evangelist. Give you a little bit of history on this. Uh, We went through it a couple times uh, last week and the week before, but Ephesians uh, talks and kind of gives an overview to the church. So he talks about the church. Paul is the author of this book, and he gave this to us in 60 AD. He composed this under the inspiration of God. Now, the blueprint of Ephesians, as we get to Ephesians, um, the overview of the book is, uh, is unity in the church. Chapters 1 to 3 talks about unity in the church, and then uh, chapters 4 to 6 talk about unity in Christ. As we, talk, as we get into this idea about evangelists tonight, um, this word evangelist comes from a Greek word, which, is, uh, which means this, someone who proclaims good news. Often we associate this with an individual as uh, someone who is a missionary or a preacher of the gospel, the good news, Um, and that's kind of the definition that we would come up with, but uh, the purpose of these offices that we've talked about thus far, so that would be the apostle, that would be the prophet, and that would thus be the evangelist as well. The, The purpose of these offices is for threefold. Does anybody remember what those, I think we may have covered those last night or last week or the week before. Do you remember that? Let me read the passage here in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, just for sake of context tonight. The Bible says in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There in verse 12, it gives us insight to what these three, uh, or what these tonight, this third office, is there for. So did you catch what it was? The first one is uh, for the perfecting of the saints. That would be the maturing. In your notes there, the blank is maturing. So it's the maturing or equipping of an individual. There's a second reason, though, and that's to advance the ministry. He says it's for the work of the ministry. But then finally, these offices are given for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's to build up to build up the body of Christ. So when we look at these offices, this is the purpose of each one of these offices to do uh, such. And so different, different ones of them had different roles, but this is the ultimate goal of each one of these, uh, of these offices. Um, we see here, now evangelist, the word evangelist isn't mentioned too much in Scripture, but we find a man who is a follower of Jesus Christ. His name's Philip. And Philip, in Acts chapter 21, uh, I believe this passage is in your notes, or if it's not, it'll be on the screen. 
But in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, the Bible says this, referring to Philip. The Bible says, And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed. So folks that were traveling with Paul, they departed. It says, And they came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. Obviously, there was, there was more, uh, we would say, more evangelists at this time, but he's the only one that's mentioned. Now, another term for evangelist might be, uh, or it's a name given to somebody of the New Testament, a New Testament person who heralded, heralded, that is, gave salvation or shared salvation through Christ, who are not specifically, uh, or who were not apostles uh, per se. So we see here, though, that Philip he looked for opportunities to share Christ. We know the familiar passage in Acts chapter 8, but would you take time just to flip over there with me? Acts chapter 8, a few books, a few books to the left there. In Acts chapter 8, I want to share, you, share with you a few things of importance whenever we look at this idea of an evangelist. In Acts chapter 8, there's some incredible things that happen. Here Saul is causing some havoc. Saul hasn't trusted Christ as Savior yet. But in Acts chapter 8, I want to look at the first eight verses. Now, as we look through this, there's a progression of things that happened in the notes. And so let's look at this together. I'll read this um, if you'll follow along. The Bible says in verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, That's, that is Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Verse 4 says, Therefore they were scattered abroad, went every one preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7 says, For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out from many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were with lame, um, and that were lame were healed. And verse 8 would you say that? Would you read that verse 8 with me together? You ready? Begin. And there was great joy in that city. Now, there's a progression of things that happened through those verses. I want to share with you what happens as many times there is persecution. The first thing that happens is we see that in verse number one, the progression of events, there was persecution against the church. Did you see that? There was persecution. There was a man who came in that really caused some problems within the church. Now, what did that persecution result in? The Bible says that they were scattered abroad. When there was persecution that came in, people left. People got out of there. They were scattered. But notice the, uh, verse 2, they buried Stephen. And the, the fourth thing that happened is they mourned his loss. As they mourned his loss, Saul began to really identify Christians. And Saul persecutes Christians. He starts to target them. 
He starts, the Bible says that he goes to their house. He pulls them out. He, the Bible says that he beats them. He takes them to prison for preaching the name of Christ. Many of our brothers and sisters today around the world, China, Asian countries, are facing this persecution. They're getting pulled out, beat. I've, I've been told that there is, the gospel is spreading like none other there in China. It's amazing how that when persecution comes, how the, the gospel spreads so rapidly. We see that he begins to, the seventh thing in verse 4, he begins to preach the word. Philip left there to preach in verse 5. We see in verse 6, we see the Bible says that disciples were developed. Miracles are starting to happen. People are starting to see the lame that are healed. People are starting to see the blind that now can see. God gave these people, um, obviously Philip had the capability of doing that, but the result of that was what you read and I read this evening. There was joy. There is ne- when we sit on a sideline, when we sit by and we allow Christ to be more of a sideline in our life than getting involved in the world, we miss out on what God wants to do. We miss out. Nothing, uh, nothing gets done by sitting on the sideline. We must be active in our community. Here, Philip was a man who wasn't going to sit back where maybe he could have acted like a Christian or maybe he could have camouflaged himself to not look like a Christian. And as a result of that, Saul would have just passed by. But because he realized that the gospel changes lives, he went to place after place after place doing what? Sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Doesn't the gospel change lives? If it changes lives, would you testify to that right now? Say amen and and, uh, be able to testify what God does. Doesn't the gospel change lives? It sure does. Aren't you thankful for the person that shared the gospel with you? I'm so thankful for that individual for me, it was an evangelist, actually, that was a cartoon artist, that whenever I was at a junior camp, I heard him, and I, uh, I listened, and as he's drawing, the, the power of God spoke to my heart. You see, but Philip just didn't stay put. He listened to the leading of God's word in his life. Later on in this passage in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says, I just want to read a couple verses just for sake of time, The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And uh, I'm so thankful for the desert. You know that God does some great things in the desert. He takes a man outside uh, to the desert to teach him. 
He brings here Philip to a man to share the gospel with somebody. God, God brought a man to, to this city 46 years ago to share the gospel. I'm so thankful that God just doesn't work in a nice island where there's tropical climates, but God does stuff in the desert as well. I mean, he brings snow. You know, aren't you thankful for, for the desert? Here, um, we see that uh, as Philip goes, there's four things I know that I see about Philip in his life. Philip the evangelist, there's four things how that God uses him. And when God speaks to an evangelist, when God speaks to an individual, he spoke specifically here to Philip. There's four steps in, and I believe in this passage, to staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, I would, if I were to take a poll tonight, and if I were to ask you, do you want to hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to you? I, I, would, I would feel sure it would almost be unanimous. Yeah, I want to hear God speak to me. I want to know what God's will for my life is. I want to make sure I'm doing and fulfilling God's will. Here, the word of God spoke to Philip and said, Philip, I want you to get up and I want you to go down. I got a plan for your life. And notice what he does in verse 27. The Bible says, and he arose and went. If I expect, the Holy, if I expect to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, I must be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit of God prompts me to do something, if I want God to continue to speak to me in a way that I can hear and be sensitive to him, I have to obey him. That is, maybe it's handing out a track. Maybe it's taking a a new couple that's come into church out for coffee. Maybe it's putting a specific amount uh, in the offering plate to send to a, a missionary. Maybe it's buying clothes for somebody. Whatever it is, as the Holy Spirit of God prompts your heart, as you obey him, as you and I obey him, the Holy Spirit of God's voice will get louder and louder. Most certainly will. We see the second thing is, as we listen to the Holy Spirit of God to stay sensitive to him, we see, secondly, that Philip looks for divine appointments. Notice what he does. Verse 27, the Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, there was a man of Ethiopia. A eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge over, uh, of all her treasures and had come to Jerusalem for worship. And so, so what happens here is just by chance, some people would say just by a coincidence, as he's walking down, he happens to run into this guy who's an Ethiopian. We don't even know his name, but he's identified as an Ethiopian and as a eunuch. We see this guy is sitting there. Now, he's, Philip is looking for an opportunity, but thirdly, we see that he begins to share the gospel. Now, this man, as he's reading, the Bible says that he's reading in the book Isaiah. He doesn't understand what he's reading, but as he's reading, he's almost reading it as if a novel. And as he's reading, okay, okay, and as he's coming along, Philip comes beside him and says, hey, sir, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. What you reading there? I'm just reading this book in this Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian looked at him and he says, how can I unless somebody show me what I'm reading? And he begins sharing the gospel with this guy. As he begins sharing the gospel with him, the Bible says they get up and they go. In verse 38, the Bible says, and he command, or I'm sorry, in verse 37, Philip says, uh, let me read verse 36, and it says, and they went their way 
And they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So he's obviously shared the gospel with them. He's told them uh, that probably that he need to call on Jesus Christ to be a Savior. But he says, hey, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Then he says this, verse, 30, uh, verse 37. Philip says, If thou believest with all of thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We see transformation that happens in this man's life. He calls on the Lord to be a Savior. Philip is obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. He goes his way and he looks for opportunities. He shares the gospel, but then, in addition to that, he starts developing a disciple. If we desire the Holy Spirit of God to work in our life, those four areas of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God will be evident in our life. You say, how so? Well, there's somebody that I'm sure that you work with that God prompts your heart to share the gospel with. Maybe it's somebody that you see at the store or somebody that you live beside. Or maybe it's, it's that soccer mom that you see or, or that family that you, you play softball with. I, I don't know the individual, but in all of our lives, we have an Ethiopian eunuch. We have somebody that we need to be obedient to. Here, Philip, who is the evangelist, begins sharing the gospel and, and transformation happens. You know, God still works like that in our life today, doesn't he? I was out with uh, our summer interns a few years ago, and I was reminded by the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit of God. I came up to this door, and, and I, I can't remember who I was with, what young man I was with, but I, I, I knocked on the door. As I knocked on the door, we would knock on the doors in the afternoon, and in the morning we would hang flyers. But in this afternoon, this particular afternoon, we knocked on this door, and we knocked and we rang the doorbell, and it sounded like somebody had said something. And you, you know the times that you knock on a door, you, you're, like, you're not exactly sure what they said, and you don't want to belabor the issue, so I, we knocked again. We knocked again, and even a bit more loud, the guy says, come on in. Now, if you're back east and you hear somebody come in, oh, they're probably making dinner or lunch and they'll probably have some sweet tea. But if you hear somebody in Vegas say come in, that's probably not the best thing to do. You may not live very much longer. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I hate to put a, a dynamic on that, but you don't hear that too often if you go to somebody, yeah, come on in. And so I started to open the door and, and we prayed. We didn't know if this would be our last prayer to the Lord. And so we said, okay, Lord, we're going in. As we kind of opened the door, cracked the door, like it, we, we, we gave out one more notification. Is it okay to come in? Yes, come on in. So we opened the door. We opened the door and and I went down, or I went, and I said, hey, my name's Neil, and I, I, didn't, I didn't see anybody. I saw no one, so I didn't know what I'm looking for. I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah, somebody welcomes, yeah, the, I can see the police officers coming in. Somebody just told you to come in, huh? And I can see how this is going down. You know, Baptist pastor shot in, uh, as he enters the home. And so I went inside, as I went inside, and uh, I said, yeah, my name's Neil. I don't know where you're at. He says, oh, come in the back, come in the back. So I went to the back of the the house, and there was an older gentleman there. His name's Joe. Uh, I found out later on, and he says, hey, sit down. So we sat down, um, and we began talking with him. We began talking to him, and as we began talking with him, found out that he was a veteran. He had served, uh, he had served our country for many years. He was 93 years old. 
and a hero. He was going through some challenges in his life. As we sat with him, we began hearing um, the Holy Spirit of God prompted me and said, you need to ask him if he's on his way to heaven. And you know the kind, of, kind of the awkwardness that you and kind of the Holy Spirit have many times. You know that like, yeah, Lord, it's, he's, he's 93 years old. He knows how to get to heaven. This is the argument that I'm having with myself as I'm talking. And uh, Lord, he's, he knows. And so we start to fight, the Lord and I. And then finally, that God says, you just need to ask him again, or you just need to ask him. And so I said, hey, Joe, I said, I don't know if anyone's ever shared with you how that you can go, you can know you're going to heaven. He said, no, I, no one's ever shared that with me. I said, would you mind if I shared that with you, how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? He said, oh, I would love that. And as a 93-year-old man, he, he listened so intently. I shared with him that the Bible's the word of God, how that Jesus is the God of the Bible, how that we're all sinners, and because of our sin, we deserve punishment. But that Jesus loved us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and rose from the dead, proving he's God. I looked at Joe in the eyes. Joe was only going to live a few more years, or a few more months, if that. He had cancer. I said, Joe, would you like to call on Jesus to be your Savior? He looked at me and he said, I sure would. You know, Joe bowed his head and trusted Christ as a Savior that day. One of the greatest, one of the greatest things, I'm so thankful I was sensitive to hearing the Holy Spirit of God. You know, sometimes we just need to sit with people. Not be so busy in life, but listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Sit with them. Listen to them. And then share with them. So the question to ask, I guess, today is, is there evangelists today? I want to share with you a few pictures on the screen here, you'll see. And... Um, the first one is this, a man by the name of, of David George. David George, was a, uh, he was a slave and later a Baptist minister. He was born in 1742 on a plantation in Virginia. His parents had, had been brought from Africa as slaves. Uh, this man who was, uh, and they were treated cruel, uh, cruel treatment they suffered. Uh, promptly, George uh, ran away to South Carolina where he hid for several years among Native Americans. First, um, helping out, then finally he was under a king who sold him to another plantation in South Carolina. This man, David George, um, shortly after coming to uh, shortly coming to Silver Bluff, Silver Bluff, South Carolina, he had a religious conversion, and along with eight other slaves, he was baptized by a man by the name of Joshua Palmer. He was a Baptist uh, minister. On Palmer's urging, David took on responsibility. Uh, for the Silver Bluff Christians, which soon numbered more than 30 parishioners. In 1775, they founded what is widely considered the first black church in America. It was called the Silver Bluff Baptist Church. A few decades later, George became the first part of a group of leaders organized to exodus to Sierra Leone, Africa. In 1792, he traveled there with his family and established the first West African Baptist Church in Freetown. He later died in 1810. This man here was probably one of the first missionaries of America. We see another man in the 1800s. 
um, or 1700s actually, August Spangenberg. He was from Germany, and August was a German theologian, a minister of bishop to the Moravian Church. As successor of Count Zinzendorf, maybe you've uh, heard that name before, he helped develop the international missions and and stabilized the theology and organization of the German Moravian Church. Another incredible evangelist today. We see it as we come to later on into the uh, 18, 1900s, we come to a man who would be f- more familiar to us. He played baseball. His name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday, who left playing baseball in order to share the gospel with other people. An incredible evangelist today. But also, there's another man who probably be even more familiar than him. His name is Billy Graham. Billy Graham attended a... Um, he attended a conference in 1973 where there was over 100,000 people in South Africa. It was one of the first of its kind where uh, people of many, many races gathered together to hear how they can know for sure that they were on their way to heaven. It's been said that in um, Moscow in 1992 that there was 155,000 people in attendance. But what is even more amazing than that is whenever he played that tune just as I am for the invitation, uh, as he would do in many cases, a quarter of the people, 25% of the people, came down to accept Christ as their Savior. What an amazing, as we look at that man, we think, what an incredible testimony of an evangelist, somebody that's sharing the gospel with other people. What an, what an amazing thing. We, as we think about, is there evangelists today? I, I think about the obvious need. There's a need for evangelists today. The office of evangelists is needed in the church uh, today, most especially. We see here that in Ephesians 4.13, the Bible says, Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We realize that the manifestation of the body of Christ has not come altogether collectively, the church, together. And so that means this, that there's still, there is still an opportunity for, for evangelists today. In fact, I want to give you seven characteristics, if, I, if you don't mind, about uh, an evangelist. Seven characteristics. Uh, first of all, we see a person of prayer. A person of prayer. Uh, as we think about evangelists, somebody that's sharing the gospel, the good news, I am going to be somebody that is an evangelist if I'm, if I'm a man of prayer, if I'm a person of prayer. Number two is a, thought, a theology or a teaching that compels to evangelize. As we're encouraged to evangelize and share the gospel with others, we too will understand our need to be an evangelist. Number three is somebody who spends time in the Word of God. As God begins ministering to my heart, I'm going to understand that I need to reach other people. I'm going to spend time with the Lord in prayer. I'm going to listen and listen to and be encouraged by the teaching to evangelize. I'm going to start reading God's word, but then fourthly, I would say this, uh, being compassionate towards other people. This idea of being compassionate. It makes me think of Jesus whenever in Matthew chapter 9, he walks out on the city in kind of an overlook to see the whole city, and as he goes out, the Bible says that he's moved with emotion. 
So much so that he kind of holds it back. And as he looks out, the Bible says in that passage, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion, almost as this wave overshadows him. And he's sad for them. Why? The Bible says because they fainted and they were scattered about as sheep having no shepherd. He thought, who's going to tell them about me? Who's going to share with them how they can know they're going to heaven? They're walking around and and no one's there to guide them. And I can imagine the yearning that he felt and wanting them to know for sure that they could go to heaven. How do I know that? Because later on, just a few years later, he's giving his life to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, the characteristic of an evangelist is somebody that prays, somebody that spends time with God, somebody that's taught about evangelism or compassion on people, but also someone that loves the community where God has planted them. The community that God's placed you in. Maybe it's Las Vegas, maybe it's the area that you're at, but you have a heart to reach those people. God is going to work in our lives. Sixthly, number six, isn't it, is they are intentional about evangelism. It's one thing saying, yeah, I want to be an evangelist, but it's another thing saying, I will be an evangelist. But then seven, I would say this, they're accountable to somebody for their evangelistic actions or activity. You know, it's one thing saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, but it's another thing for somebody to help us keep us accountable. You know, the person that's, that's tomorrow, they're going to ask you, hey, did you, work out to, did you work out this morning? Or, hey, did you read your Bible? And you're like, oh, I'm going to do it if I have an accountability measure. And there's somebody maybe that we need to put into our life that will help us be accountable in the area of evangelism. We see Paul that instructs people about the desperate need of evangelism. In Romans 10, 14, he says this, how then shall they call on him? He's talking about people. He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? A preacher. You know what that is? It's an evangelist. Somebody sharing the gospel with others. A few months ago, um, a few months ago, there was one of the great privileges of being a pastor is seeing the church begin to grow. On this platform, there was four couples who came up here and who, I would say, each one of these things exhibited these, these qualities. And as we look up here on this, on this the screen, you know, who, you know who I look at and I see? Yeah, I see four couples and I could, we can identify them with their names, but you know what these people are? They're evangelists. You know, I, as I was thinking about this, I tried to find a, a, a picture. I tried to find a picture of the church where we're all gathered together and to be able to show that. I wasn't able to actually find one. But if we were to show that picture and in that picture were to show everyone uh, at church on Sunday, do you know what that picture represents to this lost world? That of an evangelist. Or it should. You know, the Lord's work is, is not done. In fact, we have no idea when somebody will have their last opportunity to accept Christ. A couple years ago, there was a, um, a police friend of mine who was walking up to a house. And as they were walking up to the house, they texted me a snapshot, a picture of the door. 
They were going to, res- to respond, they were responding, I should say, to a call that they had, uh, a service call. As they knocked on the door, there was no answer. As he stepped back and he took a picture of the door, uh, you couldn't help but notice what was stuck in the door. It was one of these flyers. Maybe you've seen one of these a time or two. And, um, and he goes inside. As they go inside, they start, they start wondering, trying to find where the person is. As they go to the bedroom, <clears throat> right beside the bedroom, there's the bathroom. The person had collapsed, and they had passed on. They had died. And he told me that as that body lay right beside the bathroom and the bed, right behind them on the vanity. Do you know what else was laying there? One of these tracks, one of these pamphlets. You know that individual had at least one opportunity that they, have, they had physically handled the word of God. Maybe they looked at it, maybe they read it, maybe they even called on Christ. And sometimes as an evangelist, now, we may not call ourselves that, but as an evangelist, there was an evangelist that left the good news of Jesus Christ in that door. And as that individual pulled that gospel out, the greatest decision that they ever could make was there in their hands. And I hope that that individual called on Christ. I, I don't know. I hope that one day we'll meet them. But somebody placed that either in their hands Somebody else placed it on their door, but that was an evangelist. And as Jesus was on the cross, he left us with some great information. He said this, three words. He said a lot on the cross, or he said many things. As he's hanging on the cross, he said this, it is finished. He looked out and and for redemption had changed the course of history. Our souls had the capability of, our spirit had the capability of now communicating with Christ as we called on him to be our savior. And God tells us one of the last things that he says as he leaves this earth in Acts chapter one and verse eight, this is what Jesus Christ says to us. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to to the uttermost parts of the earth. God is communicating to us as Christians, as believers. He says, I got a job for you to do. What is it, Lord? I want you to be an evangelist. And there's people this week that we're going to meet that God is whispering to us. They need the gospel. Are you going to share the gospel with them? I wonder if that person who I would like to think that called on Christ, what if that person that had, that, that had given them that track had thought, you know, my mind can't help but wonder if they had held that to themselves. Would they still go to heaven? I don't know. My mind wonders. But I want to give you three action steps. As, and I, by no means am I trying to um, I, I just want to share truth. I want to give you three action steps and our time will be done as we leave here tonight. Number one is this, check your light. Check your light. In Matthew 5, the Bible says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
Check your light. Is your light tonight shining bright? If not, why not? What is it that I need to change so that my light shines bright? When somebody sees me, they think, something's different about him. What's so different? Now, I know I look a little strange at times, but God really wants to use us to reach the world. And that's check your light. Number two is this, ask God for opportunities. Ask God for opportunities. Do you think that God of the universe cares about others? Oh, he most certainly does. Why don't we ask God for opportunities? There is time and time again that I, that I sit in my office. There's many times that I'm very, most of the time I'm very busy. But there are times that I say, Lord, I don't have a chance to go out today to share the gospel. Would you bring somebody into my office? And I cannot tell you time after time after time. Somebody will come in and they'll say, is the pastor available? Is there a pastor available? Yes, Pastor Shore is available. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I say this all genu- genuineness. They'll sit down and I'll share them within the gospel. And many times, you know what? They trust Christ as their Savior. There's nothing special about this guy that you see up here tonight. I'm just an ordinary person. Uh, I, I'm nobody special. But why does God care about me? Because I care about souls. But thirdly, this, check your light, ask God for opportunities, take advantages of letting your light shine bright. There's a verse in Colossians that is really good with this. The Bible says, walk in wisdom toward them without, that are without. Walk in wisdom. Know what to say, how to interact, how to communicate. The Bible says to redeem the time, that is to buy back that time. Then it says this, let your speech, and this is the part that was convicting for me, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I wonder how many opportunities that we might have to share the gospel with others if we allow our speech to be seasoned with grace. The Bible says in Proverbs that a brother that is offended is harder to be won than a great city. We should be careful tonight to shine our light, to check our light, to ask for opportunities. But then, in addition to that, Lord, let me use the opportunities that I have. You know why? Because an evangelist isn't just somebody that, that comes up to this stage or, or this past Friday and Saturday night that came up here and shared some great truths from God's word. The evangelist not only is somebody that's up here, an evangelist is somebody that sits here. An evangelist is somebody that goes and shares the good news of Jesus Christ. We got some great work to do, don't we? We live in a field, Las Vegas, known for sin. What a great opportunity that God has given to us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you ask God this, this evening, as I pray, would you ask God, God, give me an opportunity. Lord, would you allow me to share the good news of Jesus Christ? with someone this week. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much, Lord, for your, your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, that in the 1700s and, and in the 1800s, there was evangelists. Lord, I think of how that there was people, uh, Philip in the Bible, as we read. God, he was somebody who shared the gospel with others. But Lord, you desire us in our life to be evangelists, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, I pray that you would give us great opportunities tonight. Lord, maybe there's somebody that's here and they, they don't know you as Lord and Savior. God, I, I pray that you would give them a great opportunity tonight before they leave here to accept you, the greatest evangelist. Lord, you did an amazing job sharing with others the truth of your word. May we in our life be more like you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.